This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Smashing these out at the minute, aren't we? Yeah, I'm quite enjoying it actually, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Fourth episode of um, our little isolation playlist. Got Chris back in with us because we thought we'd we'd better get um, get a third party in because we're we're being joined by a former player, but someone that Chris actually saw play. So I thought that would certainly be more beneficial than just experience. So yeah, that's, thank you for that. <laughs> the, uh, the experience, experience pro. You're you can be the, the, the short. The Sean Goater of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> or, uh, or Spencer Pryor. What will I tell you what? We'll let you choose your veteran. Who do you want to be mm. for this? <laughs> well, you can feed the goat. I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> right. So we got we got a Sean Goater of the of the podcast because we have got Roy McDonough, Red Card Roy. And um, to be fair, from this point on, um, I'll let Chris rattle off some of his achievements. Yeah, Roy played for us twice and also for the lot up the A12 twice as well. He's been described as uh, the third division's Michael Douglas. <laughs> uh, Roy the Ravers was the headline that accompanied one uh, story about him. Um, he's been dubbed Britain's wildest footballer. 22 red cards um, during his career. And just a really nice geezer. And um, looking forward to having a chat with him. You, you might not think that, actually, to, to say 22 <laughs> yeah. red cards in a career that went 70s, 80s, 90s, I believe. Because you've got to think then, that was hard to get sent off. You, know? you, <laughs> yeah. you could get away with a lot and he got 22 red cards. But um, yeah, and you might sort of look at that statistic and think, oh, this bloke's a bit of a knob, but couldn't be further from the truth. Um, lovely fella, doesn't know me, doesn't know Eden. I know Chris, you've met him once or twice in the Sorry, past, yeah. but yeah, just, just a lovely fella. So yeah. Um, here we go, Roy McDonough. Hey, Roy. Red card, Roy. Red card, Roy. Can you what? Can I swear? You can say and do whatever you like, big man. Wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> expect anything less, to be honest, Roy. What, mate? Wouldn't expect anything less. Good lad. <laughs> well, cheers for coming on, mate. Anyway, really appreciate. Yeah, that. really appreciate this. We've we've wanted to get this done for a like, well, honestly, about. Can I just explain the trigger? See these glasses? I had, I did have designer, but I sat on them. So ah. these are Chinese. I look a bit of a dick because they're from the frigging Chinese. And we don't want to talk about the Chinese, do we? No, don't want to upset them anymore. Okay. Well, yeah, so basically, we um, Chris um, 
Chris very kindly volunteered to uh, to come on board with us for this one because Chris actually saw you play. Yeah, I'm that old Roy, as well. You I'm were able to see you. <laughs> you were sadly. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. You either. Sadly, before my time. But um, yeah, so really, we're quite happy for Chris to almost lead this one in a sense where we talk about your career, and then okay. you know, me, me and Eden are just here for the for the the boozing stories, basically. <laughs> so, Scotty, career where in tots in rain or or yeah, yeah, or exactly. what? yeah, yeah the, the the tour of the the local nightclubs. <laughs> Those were the days, my friend. Yeah, it's gone now. <laughs> Tots has been... Oh, I don't yeah, know if it's been gone. knocked down. Tops. It's complete... Yeah, it's been demolished. It's still there, but shut. You know what? Last Easter, when I did the thing at the Palace Theatre and saw the game, Van Colsy Monday at Burton, against Burton. But uh, I stayed at the Westcliff Hotel down the seafront and I walked I walked past it, obviously, the old Tots, but of course, it's changed quite a lot, the seafront. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The girls still stuff. look good, though. To be fair, the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice day, wasn't it? That day, it was a nice. It was, nice, nice, day. Yeah. Oh, it was lovely. Well, I guess we might as well start from the beginning then. And uh, the first thing that we, we we've got to bring up is um, a six-month suspension for um, throttling a referee in uh, school football. Is that correct? Birmingham Cup final, I believe. Birmingham Schools Cup final. You know what, your own work's pretty good, chaps, but guess what? You know what? Looking back, a couple of things happened over my career, which could have really, really hurt me. You think I was banned from every level of football at sort of 15 and a half years of age, where I'd played this cup final at our school against um, Sir Wilfred. It was called Sir Wilfred Martin. I had about 8,000 kids. We had about 800. And... Uh, the centre forward was, was getting me at it and I, I took the bait to be fair and I lost the block was getting this red card but the referee was from Cox at Hill School which was at Arch Rivals from Linden High School in sport so he didn't like us anyway and uh, mate that's probably the worst red mist I've ever had on a football pitch in my life and yes I'd had a few don't get me wrong but <laughs> when I came round I'd got him off the floor by his neck the referee one handed because <laughs> I totally and utterly lost the plot and then, you know, you imagine at 15 and a half, 16, I let him go because he was going red and he was a lump and all, mate. How, how do you think, you know, you probably maybe you've all had it once where the red mist hits you and your adrenaline kicks in because he was a lump, I tell you. And, uh, but he made sure I got the maximum ban I possibly could get. And, you know, looking back, chaps, the headmaster from our school, he told me to stay away from school for about the last 15 months of my schooling days because Aston Villa gave me a letter in writing I'm signing for Aston Villa when I leave school and I went a bit pear-shaped I didn't like school anyway he said don't just stay away and turn up for the sporting activities i.e. cricket athletics and the football and uh, he called me in that the meeting was going to be at our school with this referee headmaster of Cotter Hill our headmaster and he asked me Roy you will don't you definitely turn up won't you I said yeah of course I will guess what I did Pissing inside. <laughs> I never turned up. I never turned up. I thought I'd bollocks. They're going to drag me across the poles anyway. So, uh, need to say six months maximum ban every level of football. That, I mean, that's kind of unheard of at that level, at that age. Think about it. Thinking, Jesus Christ, we're talking crikey, 45, yeah, 45, 46 years ago. 
And our school, Linden High School, was renowned for being the sporting prowess of, of bringing one or two decent lads through. But uh, oh crikey, no, they give me the maximum ban. Uh, I couldn't go to Aston. I was at Aston Villa at the time. Um, and yeah, that could have hurt me big time. But uh, did it affect your what? time at Villa? What, what, what happened when you got to Villa then? Was you just training or? I, Chris, I got a, I had a letter from 14, 14 years of age that with the day I left school, signed by Vic Crow, the Aston Villa manager of that era, Frank yeah. Upton, the youth team coach, Neville Briggs, who was the chief scout Aston Villa, me and my dad. The day I leave school, I get a two-year full-time apprenticeship at Aston Villa Football Club. Well, wow. The summer, obviously after this ban, Ron Saunders took over. God love Ron, because he died a few months back. Yeah. Um, he told me play for 20 minutes, Chris. Now, there was eight lads going in at Bodymore Villa training ground to be told that they were going to be taken on board. Well, I've got it right in anyway, so I weren't really unduly bothered. Yeah. So the first six went in, all come out in floods of tears. I'm seven. Gordon Cowens, who was a different class, by the way. Yeah. Gordon Cowens was, num was number eight. Right. So they all thought, well, Roy's going to sign. So it's Gordon. I came out. I'm clearly not in tears. Because when Ron Saunders had seen me for 20 minutes on training, Roy, you're not up to standard. We're not taking you on. I'm 16 there. How the F I didn't fucking punch him as well? I do not know. I just wanted to knock him out. <laughs> um, so I didn't come out crying everyone thought I'd voice something Gordon went in obviously he did sign because they gave Gordon's mother and father they're from uh, they were Geordies they gave him a detached house in Sutton Coldfield which was actually Aston Villa's youth hostel they right. ran the house to make sure they got Gordon's signature right so looking back that could have gone totally tits but then I went to Birmingham City 10 days later and chaps People don't realise in football, right? And it's more political now than it was in my, in my day. So I go to Birmingham City, Don Dorman, God love him, he's dead as well, they're all dying. Chief Scout Birmingham signed me, my dad found him, said, uh, uh, Roy's not at Villa. They all wanted to sign me in the whole of the Midlands. I promise you, Wolverhampton, Wonders, West Brom, Coventry, Derby County, when I was a kid. Right. And uh, he said, yeah, come down Monday. So I trained for the first week, four days with a new set of lads. Played the first game for the youth team on Saturday morning. I'll never forget it. Mansfield away. The training ground pitch was overlooking the stadium. We won 2-0. I got both. Right. Still a school. On the Tuesday, right, we played Stoke City at Damson Lane, Birmingham City training ground. We beat them 5-2. Garth Crooks, Paul Dyson, a couple of other lads who had good careers in top-level football played for Stoke. We beat them 5-2. I scored two. And made to. So come the Friday, my dad said, he phoned the, the, the scout, Don Dillon, said, well, what's happening with my, my lad? You know, he's played twice and got four goals. He's hit the ground running. And uh, what's happening? He's the politics for you. I used to go to the train to Birmingham City Stadium, St Andrews, with the apprentices after training and have beans on toast and they do their clean the boots and clean the stadium. Well, I had to get the bus home and I'd got no money chat. So I'm thinking, if I can get out of the van at the Wheat Chief pub, I could walk home into Alton Solihull, rather than go to the, the, the football club at St Andrews, get the bus home, I had no money, I had bloody miles. And you know what the scout said to me, Dad? He said, well, we're just a bit worried. Four goals in two games, by the way. Um, is Roy going to be a mixer? He's going to mix with the lads. 
So the following week, I went out beans on toast, cleaned the frigging boots with them, cleaned it, and signed on the Friday. So when you think about what absolute fucking nonsense is Roy going to mix? You've played football since you're 10, so you're mixing with teammates, and of course you're going to mix because you have to. But that, that could have could have come and come a bit could have got a bit nasty, you know. So how long did it take you to break into the first team at Birmingham? Fifteen months. And Chris, when I signed, mate, like I became a pro. I came number I was number fifty-five on my tracksuit top. Right. I was the fifty-fifth member of staff on not just apprentices were were, were their numbers were not so I was number fifty-five. So out of fifty-five players, it took me fifteen months to make the first team. Right. How come do you reckon it so took so To what, mate? How come do you reckon it took so long? Like, was it was the team quite good in front of you, or? Listen, then you got Trevor Francis, Bob Latchford, Bob Hatton, John Connolly, Howard Kenderson. Birmingham City in those days were a good club. They were a big first division club. But 15 months, if I'd have had my way, I'd have made it 12. But you have to remember politically, again, it's a, it was a big club. Um, you have first to be seen yeah. yeah, we're first with Premier League these days, yeah. but first division of Birmingham yeah. City were, used to stand their own in that division. And uh, so 15 months, I was quite chuffed with that, to be fair, Chris. And you played up front with Trev Francis on your debut, I understand. Yeah, Sunderland away. I uh, amazingly, Sunderland, I mean, 34,000 crowd at Roker Park. Yeah, I've got three brothers, me dad, who'd follow me everywhere. And we travelled up on the Friday night. I hadn't got a clue I was playing. You know the old cliche, don't because yeah. it's nervous. So on the Saturday morning, we had pre-match meal at midday. And then the, the manager, Freddie Goodwin, said, you're playing. Of course, my dad ain't going to make Sunderland for freaking Birmingham in three hours in his <laughs> van. So uh, I made my debut without the family being there. And uh, we lost 1-0. Uh, Kenny Burns was injured. So I played up front instead of Kemp. And uh, on the Tuesday, we played Villa at St Andrews, the biggest Birmingham local derby. Yeah. And I had a chance early on, you know, Chris, and I hit one across the angle, and Siddle got a touch, and it just went past the far post. And the manager said to me, Burns had an injection to play on the Tuesday. He said, Roy, if you'd have scored, I could have played you. But obviously, because I, I'd had a chance and missed one freaking chance, for Christ's sake, yeah. um, he, played, he played Burns. And I understand the only other game played for the first team at Birmingham, you came up against uh, Webby, who, of course, would be your manager down the line. My good old mate, Dave Webby, and Chris, <laughs> at the end of it, we got on quite well. But, uh, in the early days, we had murders, I'll tell you. But, yeah, Webby and Frank McClintock for QPR played it. Frank McClintock played his last league game. And right. the, the two centre-backs, McClintock and David Webb. But I was, what, 18 and a half, 18 and three quarters, maybe, I yeah. could run in those days, Chris. I ran the channels. I was decent in the air. I was aggressive. To be fair, mate, I ran the legs off the pavement. Because I think in Big Frank, it's his last ever league game. Dave Webb's obviously a so-called big tough guy. And you got this snotty those young kid running on ragged down the channels. Yeah. Uh, we drew the 2-2 and I scored with that five minutes ago. Big Farpo said that, out yeah. jumping, Dave Webb. <laughs> Marvellous. <laughs> So after that, I guess you moved. Was it Walsall you moved on to? Sorry, was it Walsall you moved on to after that, after Birmingham? 
Evan, mate, the things have gone on in my career. I'd signed a three-year contract for Birmingham City with Jim Smith. He liked me. I'd gone 12 months watching Keith Burchin playing the first team, who went 14 games without a goal. This is where, you know, it wouldn't happen these days. Your personality, uh, I'd fire in my belly because you needed to, in our day, to make the first team. I stomached 12 months of Keith Burchin, couldn't have barned off from three yards. I scored three outfits in the reserves. I'd made a name for myself the season before in the first division, up front with Trevor, blah, blah, blah. But Sir Alf Ramsey that summer, who was on the board of directors of Birmingham, recommended Keith Birchin from Ipswich, 135 grand sign. So Birch was a big signing going back all them years, think about it, recommended by Sir Alf. Rest assured, by the way, chaps, and fans won't realise this, guaranteed Sir Alf was involved in Ipswich Tannen, copped a backhander for that signing. But I watched um, Birch, couldn't have bound off for, for weeks and weeks, three actors. I never, never made an appearance that season in the first team, which is a, a now a 19-year-old headstrong, what would you call it? It isn't headstrong, but desperate to, to make the way in the game. And here's another killer blow for you. Ken Oliver, who taught me at Birmingham City from county level, district level, whereas the top, I was the top goal scorer in the whole of the region for three years. He taught me how to play the game properly. You're a target man, Roy. The team win the ball for you, you full backs and your backs. When they give you the ball, you protect it and bring people into play. I used to flick it around the corner, chaps, and, and, and run people in the channel. Because in those days, I was a runner. Ken Oliver taught me how to be a proper centre. He went to Warsaw. Sir Alf left the club, Smithy came in. Ken Oliver went to Warsaw as first team coach. Two weeks later, Ken liked me. I signed for frigging Warsaw. And I got a three-year deal. And he's, what about this one for you? You probably know it. The Saturday I made my debut at Warsaw, we won 4-1. I'm up front with Alan Buckley. God forsaken Alan Buckley, by the way. He got two. I didn't score, but I made three out of four goals. Man of the match. On the Saturday at Birmingham City, Trevor ruptured his leg tendons out for the season. This is November, by the way. Keith Burchin breaks his leg. Same game. Both strikers out for the season. Nice. And there's 13th man up the fucking road at Warsaw. <laughs> this sounds like bad luck, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Hey, Eden, you know, listen, don't kind of feel sorry for yourself because it is what it is. But I'm thinking, fucking hell, really? I've got man of the match. On the Tuesday, we played Peterborough at home. I ain't got a bad memory, by the way, chaps, for a 61 year old. We played Peterborough at home, beat them. Crikey, the sport of I got to. We beat them five, five one, I believe. And Jim Smith was at the game looking at Buckley. And I, I, it was my second game. I scored two, made two, hit the bar twice. Could have been six or seven. I'm 19 and a half, 20 years of age. And the big Birmingham paper said, oh, McDonough this, McDonough that. And my quote was, I'm glad Jim Smith was there. Because Smithy let me go, chaps, and he's another one. Smithy likes me. He said, Roy, people want to sign you. I'll speak to them on your behalf, but I'll let you know if there's a good deal for you. Guess what? I went to Warsaw for 15, 20 grand. Smithy cops are back handy. I'm a 19, 20-year-old kid, spent all my life as a schoolboy, desperate to be a footballer, I'm sure you probably all felt the same. And then the manager cops a backhander 
of maybe a grand or two. Smithy liked me, don't get me wrong. He, he, he stuck by me. and I was always in the first team squad. But nailed on, the reason he let me go, he copped a backhander. Yeah. Do you think that still happens now? They're just going off on a tangent a little bit. Like Scotty, do you think <laughs> Jesus? No, the only the only reason I say it like that is because because of the way the media is now, where like you 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 know, you can't fart these days without somebody like having a yeah. phone in your face or something. So Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll rephrase it. We know it's happening now, but how are they getting away yeah. with it? How do you think they're getting away with it? Scotty, think about this, mate, and it's quite shocking. And they changed the rules a few years back. Alex Ferguson's brother was an agent. Sam Allardyce, good old lovely Sam, biggest bag of shit in the game. <laughs> uh, his brother or uncle or nephew was an agent. All you had to do in the early stages, you'd work on behalf of a player and use a third party. It could be the player's brother. It could be my dad, for argument's sake. You do the deal. So is the deal on black and white, in black and white, like George Graham at Arsenal, when he signed the lads from Scandinavia, every penny got paid to Arsenal Football Club, which was agreed, and to the players. But the agent actually gave George, in a sports bag, 155 grand present. But the deal agreed, this is what people don't understand, that was agreed on paper, Arsenal got every penny, so did the player. But the agent, because listen, mate, they were making bundles in them days. He gave him a personal gift of £165. See now, and they're all at it, mate, and it upsets me. Steve Bruce, renowned for it, as was Big Sam, as was, I'll tell you, Big H, what, King of the Jungle? Jesus Christ, chaps. It was fucking rife. <laughs> and what they do is, they'll do a deal with the club, then behind the scenes, uh, I've read Roy Keane's book at Ipswich. Never ever met the uh, chairman. Always dealt with the CEO, the chief exec. He signed a couple of lads. It's great. His book's different class, mate, I tell you. He said, I've signed a lad for 800 grand. When he went through the books, it was 1.6 million. Mm. So CEO and agent carved up 800 grand. It's I remember that. I've, I've read his book as well. I remember that. Yeah. Scotty, mate, it's a good book. Uh, uh, Roy mm. Keane was one of my heroes. I loved him for obvious reasons, really. But it's, still, it's going on today. Steve Bruce, uh, I'll tell you, a very good friend of mine I grew up with. He, uh, I took him to Colchester, got the job at Colchester as a manager. People who work out there, he's a good friend of mine, known him for 30 years. He worked for uh, Birmingham, Aston Villa. Uh, he's at Wolves at the moment, and he was at Sunderland, Everton. And I'm in San Pedro del Pinsmart. It's a nice sports development, not far from where we live. A couple of back. So I met my pal, and he's doing his little thing here and there. And he was at Villa then, and Bruce is the manager. I said, How's it going there? He went, Ah, oh, it's not bad, he said, but you know, the gaffer, I hate to shoot about it, blah, blah, blah. The phone goes at half time. So I'm getting a beer, whilst for me and my pal, the phone goes. And I know it's Steve Bruce on the, on the phone. So my pal's arguing, Yeah, but gaffer, we didn't earmark that. We need four players a centre half, central midfield player, a good one. We don't need X, Y, Z. Bruce went, yeah, but he said, I like him, I like him. Here's the story. They signed the lad, which they don't want, because it was Bruce's pally agent, so he cut to about half a mil. Scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. huh? yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You, you, you see so many are like, 
you look at a couple of transfers and you'll think, how has that happened? How has that happened? And what? Now, now you know, don't you? You can piece it together for yourself. There's, there's obviously some sort of ulterior motive somewhere. Yeah. So someone's yeah, earning out of it. I mean, Scotty, mate, and it, you know, in the, in the cold light of day, um, big H, mate, king of the jungle. I remember I was a manager at the time, or player manager. On the Tuesday morning, him and Frank Lampard senior, good old Frank Lampard senior, I loved him, tried to skank Bobby Moore's job off him. He, uh, on the Tuesday morning, they were seventh in the Premier League. At 10.15 on the Tuesday morning, I don't know, uh, maybe December, January of that season, bump, gone, office cleaned out, gone, cleaned out. Because they knew King of the Jungle and his mate were taking back him. It's madness, isn't it? It, it's, it almost goes completely untouched by the media, or you know, they, they they almost don't want to paint this image of him being like a, a dirty dealer, so to speak. Well, he didn't he didn't like it that time that someone called him. He did it the the match of the day um, journalist said you're like you're a wheeler dealer. He lost it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Completely. You lost know what, Scott? Think about it. At South End, everyone loved Barry Fry. Probably the best second-hand car dealer in football I've ever known. <laughs> Barry. He liked to deal with Barry. God, what number of players we signed under him? And you know why? Listen, man. Thirteen or something coming <laughs> in. Anyone he went. He was in the conference. The geezer doesn't know the game. I promise you. But he can wheel and deal. You sit down with Barry and go about. Uh, is it four three four three two one? Is it four four two? Is it three five two? Why would you play that system with the players? Well, you play it because it suits them and it's playing to their strengths. Barry, you go. You go what? What, four, 14 or 14, 250 quid. He hasn't, promise you, mate, you don't know the game. <laughs> but he could wheel and deal it. And guess what? In every deal, go on, Bazza, Southend United, you know the big Stan Collymore did, big Stan, and Barry, Barry was there yeah. at the time. He was, uh, Colin yeah. Murphy bought him, and then Barry obviously sold him when... Uh, I remember seeing that program, he lived in Bedford, Barry Fry. He just left Barney football club. Mate, his ass looked like he was in Hollywood. Come on. I think I remember the programme. It did. It hey, really did. Him and Big Stan, yeah. the, Stan Flashman, the big fucking ticket tag. Unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. And I say, Chris, why I'll get the hunger about this, in the cold light of day, sitting with the South End fans at Burton last um, Easter Monday, mate, you cannot take the heart out of the football fan and the club because it all comes from the heart. And then sitting 100%. with them, you realise just how much it means to them, whether they know the game or don't, then you've got these dirty, smelly fucks going around raping the fans, taking money out of the clubs. Absolutely <laughs> right, mate. Absolutely right. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I'm, I'm laughing at it, but it's true. It's horrible. It's true. It's there's, like a penny, there's a pound to be made somewhere. Someone will, will have it out. It's back pocket when you're not looking. Uh, you know what, Chris, what kills me? Did you, 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 I bet you watched it for 10 minutes. Um, Big Harry, King of the Jungle, uh, Sandman. Did you watch it? No, I didn't actually, but uh, my God, he's got a gap though, hasn't he? Chris, what a <laughs> Listen, watch Afterlife, Richard Gervais, Ricky Gervais, the C-U-N-T is not a great word. Ricky Gervais and the p- people in that program. See you, NC, mate. They time it perfect. Big Harry, King of Jungle. What the <laughs> Not a fan, then, though. Huh? Not, not a fan, Listen, then. 
he lent me a couple of players, man, as a culture. Some good old action. How's it going, big man? The Friday, good Friday, I sat, I saw Southend play Warsaw. That they're both fighting to stay, weren't they? And guess what? I've gone in to meet Crowley in the director's box at half time uh, at, at the Bescott Stadium. And who got? I see Ron Martin. Hello, Ron. Looked like a fucking ice cream because he'd smacked his head and hadn't he had an operation. So <laughs> had all the bands on his head. Then who comes out? Uh, VH. And he made a right fuss. Had a couple of pictures with him. But Chris, mate, I couldn't have half a lager with the geezer because he's, he's corrupt. He's dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Whilst um, I, I know we were going like way way off track here, but on on the on the topic of Harry Redknapp and that that spell towards the end of last season, that Warsaw game, may as well talk about Harry's mate Kevin Bond. What, what did you uh, what did you think of him? <laughs> you know what, Scotty? I was talking to Ron. I spoke to Ron on several occasions, and I was all up for leaving lovely sunny Spain. I've got a great job here. One, my wife works at the same company, comes as direct, we get well looked after because we do a decent job. I'd have turned it all in to come back to take on the South End. There's a couple of jobs I'd do. South End, Colchester. I spoke to Lingy about the, the Lake Morian, but, you know, poor Justin, God love him. Um, there's only a couple of I'd consider. And then uh, I saw Kevin Bond at the best stop. He looked like a fucking mile model stop. I kept looking at him for his, his hair was perfect. It, what a twat. What an <laughs> And I don't want to sit there and see a club that was close to my heart, fans with different players up there that Friday. I stayed in the hotel, Scotty, the backs onto the ground. Mm. So before the game, I, I had a few beers because I did, I did the, the, the dinner the Thursday night, so I'm having a few beers. And what was a touch, mate? All the South End fans drank in the hotel and the gardens. So I'm talking to the South End boys, and like you said, Scott, Kevin Bond. I said, are you fucking serious? And then watching on the touchline, I thought it was a disgrace. That you fight for your lives, absolute disgrace. Then I see him on the Monday against Burton Albion. I'm sat with Davey Martin, Crowney, Jason Cook, Bernie Friend who wrote the book, all big South End people. I'm going, look at this. And he keeps looking at himself, and he gets out, and he, he looks like a male model. Well, nah. Didn't it? And that Burton Albion game, don't get me wrong, mate, Scotty, they played from the back. It was wide left, wide right. I'm looking at Kevin Bond. His number two was Keen at the time, wasn't it? The West Ham boy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. It was. He got played, you must have been the game. Played off the fucking part, right? And every time they got it, they split at the back of the three. Then they played to wide left or wide right. And Kevin Bond, Kevin Keen. Kevin looks a million dollars and he kept flicking his bar on it and he'd come out keen with his baseball cap on. Not once did they stop Burton passing the team to fucking death. Now, if Burton had been more ruthless, which they didn't have to be because they weren't going off, they weren't making the playoffs. Yeah. If they'd been ruthless, it'd been six, seven fucking nil. But yeah. what didn't impress me as a manager who's fighting for a job, he never changed the system once to stop Burton ripping the arse out of Southie yeah. at home. I remember that that was a big criticism with him a lot from a lot of people that not even just in those getting in what was it six games he had it was like he yeah he just had he had like he had nothing about him like he didn't do anything on the touchline we scored like last minute winners or whatever he just stood there he didn't seem yeah. to like he, he didn't care 
you know such what, a Scotty, bizarre appointment. It, it, when, when football's in your blood, remember him as a player. He was a nice guy as a player. Why would you want to be nice as a footballer? If the opposition are giving you a bad time, but they're going to take money out of your pocket, working it out, because if they beat you, you don't get your win bonus. The bonus won't go up to the next hand because you just got fucking beat. So what you do is you tread all over these fuckers to make sure you beat them and get a result. He was a nice player, remember? Same as a fucking manager. I said to um, Ron Martin, spoke about two or three, I said, two things. Chrissy Powell, one thing with Chrissy, lovely lad, great player, you're too fucking nice. When he sacked him, I spoke to him two days, I said, he said, well, you were bang on. I said, well, Ron, I'm not a smart ass. No one likes a fucking, yeah, I, I told you so, bloke. I said, Kevin Bond, I said, Ron, God forbid, mate, please don't do what you're thinking you're doing. Because we were chatting about maybe if I could get in the building and put a bit of fire in the place. And uh, he gave him a fucking three-year contract. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Fucking hell. Yeah. And all his little sidekicks, whoever the fuck they were. So, sorry, was that was that after the end of last season? So, after his initial six games, you were you were talking to Ron again then? Yeah. And before he gave him... What was a tough... Scott, you know, you think about... You know... Birmingham City when the two lads got injured and, and you look back I would have left I'd spoke to my Lizzie about it I said look I'll go back and have a go because I know I can do it I'd have put some fire in the place the fans would have liked it genuinely because there'd have been a bit of a bit of blood and guts but you can do it at that level and a bit of passion the old cliche passion to win some football matches and I was going to turn in Spain to, to come back and uh, it was a, a pretty close call but um, then at the end of the season once he'd stayed up he was only going to go one way when he won he had to give it to him I think and it, we were all mixed at the time we didn't necessarily want to have it but it was a case of I suppose he's earned it by keeping us up but he kept us up more by luck than judgement if I'm honest Chris who's the lad who's gone to um, Australia to send for Coxie decent so mate I always think looking at him the two three games I saw, him, just give him the ball, give him the ball, big heart, a bit old-fashioned, ran the channels. He probably kept you up. Not the fucking man. We kept some single-handedly yeah. last year. Like last last season, he did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Then all of a sudden, you get this big lump come in the building, worth 55 million. He's got a 25 million pound gaff on the side of the Thames, and he lets the kid go. Yeah. And I'm, get, I'm looking at him. He's probably as good a striker at that level I've seen for a long time he's like Crowning but Crowning was a great runner David Crowning great finisher but Coxie had a bit more about him about the game also yeah clever unfortunately clever this player. year it seemed that he wanted to go I think rather than um, he, he, he was he was meant to go in the summer apparently yeah his head turned in the summer yeah he did his head turned you know Eden but sometimes mate as a manager you look at it and think you know I bent the rules for players when I was the player manager the season before at Colchester, I'm everyone's mate, I'm entertainment's officer, I'm taking them down the pub, we're all laughing and joking. All of a sudden now I'm the gaffer and I've got to be a bit sterner. But you know what you do? Your little little shining lights, you bend the rules. I'd have bent the frigging rules for Simon Cox all day long. We go back to, to Wolves. Yeah, so, sorry, Chris. <laughs> uh, we got a few to get through, yeah? I, had to, uh, I don't know where I went with that. I, I can't remember what I, I asked initially now, but we, we've flown right off there. Listen, we can veer backwards and forwards. It's fine. Obviously, it was at, at Walsall. And I remember reading in the book that you kind of 
and this is what I said to the boys uh, about yourself. You didn't perhaps get the appreciation from the support, some supporters that you deserved because you created chances for others. And you mentioned yeah. about, uh, I said about winning the throw-ins. I remember at Southend, down the touchline, win the flow-in, Roy flick it on, work it, go again, go again, into the feet, playing it around. You wanted to uh, do a Cantona on someone at Walsall when you were celebrating promotion and they still weren't happy? To be fair, I think my dad, Chris, did it instead because I don't know if, <laughs> I think it's mentioned and I'm sure Bernie put it in the book. After we'd won, I think it's in we, there, got, yeah. we got promoted. My dad got arrested and was in the nick. <laughs> so the chairman of Walsall had to go and, and bail him out. But you know, Chris, it's probably almost a story in my career. When a lad walks on the pitch, I was nine or ten. As a football fan, nine or ten, goal scorer. Look at Mark Hughes at Man United. Hughes again, another one of my heroes. What a fucking warrior he was. He looked oh, yeah. at the ball. He brought people into play, scored spectacular goals. I bet his best season was 14-15. Then you get yeah. the, the Michael Owens get 32, Andy Cole gets 31, Dwight York gets 28. The season we got promoted at Warsaw, Alan Buckley, good old Sir fucking Alan, and Don Penn. Don Penn got Midland John Player of the Year that season. And uh, he got 27, Don, top goal scorer. Buckley got 26. I think I got 11. So that's 47, 53. 64 goals out the front three. And I'm guessing, Chris, I had 35 assists because I ran the channel. I was only, yeah. not looking back, Chris, I was only 19 and a half, 20, in the football league, getting booted from pillar to post by these big nuggets who'd been around the block a little bit. And I'm thinking, but I'm doing a great job here. But the fans thought, 90, he's only got 11. He's a wanker. And yeah, it must be shit. I've yeah, got 11 this season. <laughs> but Chris, I, I promise you that season, because my contract was up, I'll never forget it, because I saw Buckley at, at um, Fellas Park, that contract. Right. I hit the woodwork, I scored 11. I hit the woodwork that season, Chris, 14 times. And not one of the fuckers bounced in. So if half of them gone in, I've got 18. But remember Buckley did a thing in the big sports Argus, the big sports paper in the Midlands. Roy McDonough is first on my team sheet every week. He leads the line. He holds the team together. He defends set pieces well. He's first on the team sheet. Chris, listen to this for a line. And I was headstrong. So, Roy, uh, contracts, yeah, yeah. Um, how many goals did you get last year? So, I promise you, I looked at him. His number two was called Bert Johnson. Looked like fucking Uncle Buck. Not Uncle Buck. Uncle Geese. I fucking only fools and horses. I looked at him. Albert. Yeah, Uncle Albert. I said, sorry, what have you done? He said, how many goals you get? I went, go fuck yourself. Stick your club and your contract up your ass. Never spoke to him again. <laughs> Fact, because I'm thinking he's taking the piss. Yeah. So basically, it kind of set the tale. Absolutely vital to the team, but not necessarily also it, uh, always appreciated. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, so then West London came calling in, yeah? Well, Chris, hilarious, man. And then I met the Chuckle Brothers, Bobby Gould and Sergey first. Um... He didn't want to let me go. And this brings back to Webber, Chris. You might remember this in the book. I met Dave Webb on the M5 on my own, uh, my Dolomite Street, 
good car dynamite speak. You're too young to remember one of them. And I met Webby on my own at um, what I can't remember what it's called, Corley's on the end. Webby's at Bournemouth as a manager, and right. they hadn't got promoted, but they were close. I'd come up with Warsaw, got booted from Pillars of Post, didn't particularly enjoy that level of football, but I'd, you know, Chris, I'd owe my own and done a decent job. And I remember Chris leaving the fucking services thinking I shook hands with Webby. He was going to give me a 10 grand signing on for him, which going back was a lot of money in them days, a decent yeah. one, but fucking to drive from Birmingham to Bournemouth, fucking travel that game. Didn't fancy, but I shook hands with him. Then a day later, Ron Stewart, who was at Chelsea, one of the chief scouts, ex-manager, he spoke to Warsaw and said to Buck that Chelsea were interested. Buck was fucking so anti because he'd make him look like in the Birmingham paper. He don't want to sign me. I won't talk to the geezer. And I'm going to sign fucking Chelsea. So cut the story short, I met Chelsea. I met Sir Jeff, who's now Sir Jeff, and fucking the two Chucker brothers in Bobby Gould. And I signed a four-year <laughs> deal, Chris. I thought, lovely, now back in the big time. They're in Div 2, I believe, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what a fucking shambles. Sir yeah. Jeff, Bobby Gould, the Chucker brothers. Mate. Probably the two worst managers I've ever played or management team I've ever played on. And here's another one for you. Politics. You'll know the name, maybe you lads, around uh, the London area. Brian Eastick, spelled E-A-S-T-I-C-K, like Bostick, was reserve yeah. team manager. I signed for Chelsea, four-year deal. And he came in the, the, the office when I was with uh, Sir Jeff. And they were top of the combination at the time, Chelsea. And Sir Jeff said, right, Brian, he's a big lad here. He's playing Saturday. And he looked and thought, he don't like the sound of it because his team were top of the, top of the combination. Anyway, I played, scored two, made two at the bar and blah, blah, blah. Ripped it up, Chris, because two, two and a half years before, I'd made my name to make my debut in the first thing at Birmingham City in the fucking combination. Then I've had yeah. two and a half years getting booted from Pilsen Post in the Football League. So the yeah. combination to me was a piece of piss. Mate, I promise you, I'll say to Chucker Brothers, first time I lived away from my family, my twin brother, my brothers and all that malarkey. Looking back, Chris, big old red card, Roy Tough guy, weak as fucking piss. Weak as piss. I found my mother from um, the phone box, and here's one, and all, you know, you're a young man, I'm 20, 21. I mean, digs all of a sudden. Not Kings Road, lovely hotel, but she's about 32. Got two young kids, and the the, yeah. the geezer was um, from Birmingham, a builder. So I'm thinking, Chris, she's a bit of a sore. You never know your luck, you know. She's a landlady. You've read all the fucking stores, haven't you? I promise you, with Rod Surrey. I'm now in digs, not a nice hotel on Kings Road. She got these fucking polystyrene, these crimpling trousers pulled up under her tits. She's about 18 fucking stone. And I'm thinking, fucking, she'll all watch me eat my dinner. I thought, if I don't take my wife, she'll have half my fucking dinner off me. <laughs> so, chaps, it wasn't, it wasn't a great fucking period of my life, genuinely. Yet it should have been. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and here's another quick line for you. So I've scored about 85 goals in six games in this combination, right? I'm ripping <laughs> the arse out of the combination. And on a Monday, I've been back to the Midlands. As soon as the game finished, I was in the car, straight back to my dogs and my bonkers. 
straight back to Midlands with my brothers and family, going out boozing. So on the Monday morning, I drive back at half six in the morning to the training ground by Heathrow Airport, and guess what? Close of play in the training. All the players had gone because they couldn't live round the football ground. Uh, Sips and Lane, it was called, the training ground. So I'm in the showers on with Jack Jones, as per usual. What the fuck am I going to do today now? I'm on my own. Who walk in the showers? The Chucker Brothers. Sir Jeff and Bobby Gould. Now, I've scored two on the Saturday. Made two. We won 5-1. Again, funnily enough, 5-1. Made two, scored two. Hit the bar twice, hit the post. So I could have had fucking five. And uh, so, Sir Bobby and uh, Bobby, uh, Sir, Sir Jeff and Bobby saying, so, how'd it go, Roy? All right, the weekend? I went fucking thinking, I must have heard. I've ripped it up there. And all the crowd at the reserve game, they've got about eight games without scoring the first team. Saying, uh, how'd it go? I said, what have you heard? They went, well, I don't know. I said, well, I got to. Hit the bar at the post. Made two. To be fair, I don't know if you heard the crowd that said my name put me in the first team. Chris, Easton wasn't even reporting on me. Now, if I saw the good crazy. Tomorrow, Chris, I'm six foot 61 and going on 62. If I see him tomorrow, I'd knock the <laughs> spark. <laughs> <laughs> That's just crazy I, that a first team manager doesn't know what's going on around the club. Just nuts. Here's another one for you. I've got the picture, and it was we played. A, there was a big publicity stunt about Johan Cruyff signing for Chelsea. Right. Uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, my dad came with my twin brother. Johan Cruyff playing Robbie Rensenbrink, and Chris I only yeah. thought of this the other day. A lad on Facebook put a picture up. I've never even thought about having a picture, but I've now got it in my house. It was me and yeah. the world best player. Think about right. So I walked to the dressing room and I'm thinking oh, I might be on the bench or whatever. Erste names the team. Uh, Roy McDonough, number six. So I'm playing centre-off, thinking, fucking hell, Renton brings a bit of an handful and Cruyff's half-decent. I've not played centre-off for 18 fucking months. But I'm thinking, does this fucking prick realise I'm a centre-forward? <laughs> Think about it, Chris. I think he, he didn't know. I know I'm six foot one. He must be centre-off. So I played against Rince and Brinkin Course. As it goes, I played pretty well. And yeah. I'm sure looking back now, he did one or two things. Make me look a mug, so he, he don't look a mug for not putting the first team, or play me centre-half, so then the crowd don't think that centre-forward should be in the fucking first team. And probably thinking that they'll run rings around you and make you look a dickhead, basically. You know what, Ed? I look back, I think, you fucking cheeky and it's where there was Clive Walker up front, Mike Fillery, um, uh, Colin Pate centre half alongside me, Gary Locke. Um, Jesus, mate, Chelsea were a decent team. On paper for a second division team, that sounds like they should have been absolutely smashing their league. Uh, um, I think they were bottom half or, or mid table or whatever, but Sir Jeff, mate, fucking shambles on legs. How, how long was you at Chelsea for? Uh, I lasted about eight months in. I couldn't get it. I was going to pack the game. Oh, really? I was going to pack the game. I walked to think about this again in my era. A four year contract. I was on good money, mate. It's good money, the wages and all that malarkey. Uh, I walked for free. Sir Jeff pulled me on a, might have been a Tuesday morning. Said, Roy, there's four clubs coming for you Doncaster Rovers, Bristol City, Cardiff City, Colchester United. This is me, 21. Six foot one and a half, good legs, aggressive, could go left side, go right side. I'd play centre half in the football league. So, Ed and I, I, was a, I, I think I'd be a decent signing, right? So, come on, Ollie, it's me little dog's coming in. 
So he tells me, on the training round, you can, you can go and speak to them. I don't know what's around the corner for you because uh, of X, Y, Z. So I walked off thinking, fucking cheeky fuck. I went to Stamford Bridge, got my boots and my bags and all that. I thought, I'm off. And I promise you, the girl, quite a nice girl at reception at Stamford Bridge. I said, oh, yeah, where are you going, Roy? I said, well, I'm going to speak to a couple of clubs. I looked at the, the Atlas of England. I thought, Cardiff, fucking hell, that's miles away. Bristol City, miles away. Doncaster Rovers, fucking even further. <laughs> Colchester, that's good. Colchester, I'll go and speak to them. So I drove down the A12 in the Dolomite Street, uh, not knowing what the fuck I was going to do, and I signed a two-and-a-half-year contract, went back to the Marks Tay Hotel in Colchester, sat down, picked up the local rag. I thought, blimey, I've just signed two-and-a-half years for this little mob. For nothing, I could have had 20, 30 grand off Colchester to leave uh, off Chelsea because they owed me decent money. I thought, fucking hell, what divisions I find. Then I realised when I looked in the paper, I was in the third division at the bottom. Is that right? You never actually see Lara Road until you walked out for your first game? Yeah. That must have been a shock to the system because it was a shithole even, <laughs> even when they knocked it down. So. Chrissy, mate, I lie. I played there, or did I? What combination I play game? There, played there with Warsaw. Right. Steve, Steve Wignall was centre half with Mickey Packer, and then over right. the, over the years, Chrissy, obviously, I crossed paths with both of them. Steve Wignall, fucking oh, Jesus, he was a nice lad, and all when fucking Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was the big centre half. Mickey Packer was the silent assassin. He was about five nine, five ten. Mickey Packer, hard as nails. Mick's a great lad. Yeah. Then, of course, when I signed for Colchester, so there's Wiggy and Mickey Packer. Because Wignall, he'd win all the big headers and he throws his head through the ball, head it 70 yards, and the crowd would go, fucking hell, look at him as a centre half. <laughs> if ever I got close to him, he pulled his head out the way. Coward. Right. Chrissy Boyer, I promise you, not a mark on him. We have a pretty boy for centre half, and I remember as a teammate thinking, centre back's always got a flat nose. Look at C. Bruce, mate. Fucking hell. He's bit by double <laughs> good old-fashioned proper centre-half. What was it like at Colchester the first time around? Uh, you know what, Chris? When I, I drove, here's another thing. We went down the A12 thinking, fuck me. As a kid, my brothers, I had sacrificed a lot to, to want to be a footballer. I, I had one girlfriend at school. Uh, we're shagging at 13 because that's what you do. Uh, <laughs> and she didn't seem to mind. Um, so I was doing all right there, but I, I was squeaky clean. But I remember driving down the A12 thinking, you know what? I felt Birmingham was a, a, was a letdown. Chelsea Football Club, massive letdown to me. Through no fault of my own, my ability to take me to both clubs, uh, twist of fate, politics, bit of bad luck maybe. So I thought, bollocks, I'm going to go drinking and shagging because I hadn't done as a teenager and I'm going to be good at it. And to be fair, Chris, I was damn good at it. Uh, <laughs> Colchester, <laughs> University City, University Town, girls everywhere. That and Tim Fiver. So pull a five out of your pocket at the bar. Quid's in, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you know, I did, Chris. I got a lot of respect from my teammates for being the best drinker and probably the best shagger. <laughs> <laughs> and that relates to have to be fair. <laughs> and Chris, you know, it's not, it was not, was it a career, what's the shocking career move that was? Bristol City, Cardiff City. Don Gasser was a fucking miles away and it was fucking cold up there, so I wouldn't, wouldn't go in there. But Colchester was the closest. 
So then, Roots Hall Beckham for the first time. Yeah. Wasn't a very long spell, though, was it, first time round? No. You know, Chris, again, and I promise you, if you'd had a beer with me in the bar, I'm the nicest bloke in the world. I'm not aggressive. I want to laugh. I want a beer. As a young man, I like the girls, because you would. Blah, blah, blah. Peter Morris, Colin Arthur. Fuck me. I've played with some fuckers in my time, I tell you. <laughs> but what about this? So, Colchester offered me, after playing every position on the pitch, including goalkeeper, Cyril, the manager, would I take a £60 drop in wages and sign a new contract to Colchester? So, he got the get to fuck like Alan Buckley did. <laughs> so, I never spoke to him again. Went to uh, uh, Ipsos in Greece with a couple of mates from Colchester. Met some South End fans, to be fair. Got blasted for a couple of weeks down there. Uh, didn't report that pre-season at Colchester. Then I, I, I turned up at South End. And um, what had happened, Chris, if these are stories, Dave Smith was manager. But when I went right. on holiday, I'd agreed my contract to do with Smithy. He got sacked. Right. So okay. when I came back, Peter Morris went, well, that deal's not on the table now. You're on trial. But I think this is a blinder, Chris. I'm on the training round. Greg Shepherd from Norwich. Me, Greg Shepherd. A load of players, because he's looking to sign a load of players. John Fashioner. Well, he said Fashioner after that four done. Because looking back, the <laughs> when I was playing for England, didn't he? But, um, at that type stage of my career, I was still an And they signed me. Um, but it was fucking Peter Morris. Geez. He signed about 15 players that summer, Chris, didn't he? Yeah. And, but we had Billy Keller, good player. Chris Turner. Greg Shepherd was an for Stevie Phillips. Ronnie Pagney, Glenn Pennyfather. Um, we had some good players at that club, you know, but oh, yeah. you can only be, Chris, you can only be as good as the bloke in charge. You have to be led because footballers need kids. You need to be led. Peter Morris was a fucking shambles. So uh, what led to the altercation with uh, Mr. Harper in the car park then? This is amazing, this. <laughs> hey, Chris, it's funny. I look back at, uh, in my early stages, the amount of barmaids I fucking managed to get out of was frightening. And this little redhead, an ex-dancer, lovely girl, my local pub, we should have played the irony of that things happening in your career. We were playing a, a, a Norwegian team on a Monday night and it was a monster, so the game got called off. Uh, I was engaged to a girl back in Birmingham and I went to that my local, the son at Lexton, and who's behind the bar? This redhead called Wendy, lovely looking thing, fit as a butcher's dog, blah, blah, blah. So after about five or six pints, Phil Coleman, he looked, he see me clocking, he said, I bet you can't. I said, I fucking bet I can. So the bet was I couldn't pull her. Well, of course, the story goes, I, I did pull her and ended up living with her all that malarkey. But coming on, and he, he can't deny this. If he, if he tried to in my person, I wouldn't stand for it. Dirty, lecherous fuck. And a couple of times in the bar after the games, early in the season, He'd stand there because she was a fit old thing. He always wore the right clover, ex-dancer. He used to fucking almost froth at mouth over the goo. And then he made a remark one day, training, maybe a couple of days before. I'm in the stiffs because I think, uh, whether I've been sent, I can't remember. If sent, I've been banned from bookings or something. We're training up the top of the car park, behind the goal, when you had the big terrace on the car park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And made a fucking another smart-ass remark on the training round because he's a smart-ass fuck. So I just looked at him and he, he was in arm's distance and I'm not this sort of bloke, Chris, I thought, fuck you, I just lumped him. Just fucking right hooked him, flattened him. <laughs> <laughs> and so I walked off and uh, that was the end of that.
So after an unsuccessful ish, well, very unsuccessful time at Cambridge, back to Rose again. And obviously, this was around about the time that I was watching. I wasn't quite around for the cadet time, but from there on on I was. Tell us about which cadet. Uh, first of all, uh, Chris, before we, Sir Bobby Moore, just legendary. I signed a two yeah. and a half year contract for Sir Bobby Moore. When I walked out of the office and got my car, I didn't know what I was earning. Never even spoke about money. Just had to just sign for Sir Bobby. Yeah. Just had to sign for him, different class. But um, Richard Cadet, Alan Buckley was bad. And he's the check Richard Cadet's career when he left me. Oh, absolute garbage. But if Sheffield United and Falkirk yeah. and then Falkirk. fell off the map. You know what? I used to tell him, the crown, he was different class. David Crown, big fella. Love you, you put your head in. And Crown was great because he, he respected what I did for him and the team. Richard Cadet was all about him. And I told him, I said, Dickie, I said, the day you leave, mate, you're going to fucking miss me. And I remember, I bumped into him maybe at a PFA do, when I said, Richard, how many goals got this year, mate? And he looked, because he'd got that one, I think, of that fucking 24 games. I went, yeah, do you, mate, said, do you fucking miss me or not? And I just fucked off. Because <laughs> he fucking generally did miss me. Yeah. He could score, mate, but... Half his goals, mate, he'd give it the big shape and laces, mark his right foot volley, back where it came from, top corner. It is his fucking halfway up the shin, bobble in the other corner, and the keeper had gone for the good strike. Because he's thinking he might strike Operation, mate. Unbelievable. So what was it like playing under Sir Bob then? You know what, Chris? Uh, you know, I, I was a manager, but I think I was a decent character, and I knew how to bring the best out of people. Bob was just fucking legendary. And just looking at him, like Sir Alf Ramsey at Birmingham, how can you not play for these people? They are the old cliche icons of the game. Bob was just fucking absolute class on wheels. But too nice. I'd have to say, too nice to be a manager. Because we had good players again on paper, but guess what? The book stops at the top, and Bob was too nice. I had Silton by the fucking throat on the coach. We got beat 4-0 at Rockstar. He's laughing and taking a piss. I stuck his head against the window. I was thinking, how dare you disrespect not just Sir Bobby Moore, but the club that are paying you, the badge and the teammates on the coach, because the bloke was, he was another fucking prick. He's one of the one of the few, Chris, I promise you, I'm not great on these phones, I blocked the <laughs> on my Facebook. <laughs> that's that's when you know, hey, that's when you know something's up. I blocked because he started bad-mouthing poor Roberts. He badly yeah. Martin, so I bit in, in one of his things. And I, I actually think I read some of that. Chrissy, I, I think fucking, I read some of that. I fucking slaughtered him. <laughs> he was having a pop at, uh, he was having a, was it his, uh, was it Dave's daughter was sticking up and saying, look, you know nothing kind of thing. Was that, Stop, was that right? Yeah, something like that. And, and Chrissy, and he's great though, when these fucking idiots, he thought it was a bit of a chat. So I've got a bit personal, because he was really personal about Dave and bits and bobs. I went, fuck me, so blind, like, what about your medals then? Because he went, fuck all, he went, Chris, I'm like, what is life? He, he, he streamed off under nine, uh, yellow belt karate, under 12, 13, green and, and pink belt. I went, fuck me, Kung Fu fucking Charlie, I. I said, you were fucking scared your own shadow on the pitch, you now fucking Kung Fu Charlie. Tell us about the three amigos. Well, we were fucking hell. Robbo <laughs> is great value off the pitch in the bar. He can't drink, but he's good value and he's an East End boy. 
Davey came to the club and me and him hit it off straight away because we, I, he's, I nicknamed him the loon because he's a fucking lunatic. But he's also nice with it off the pitch, Chris. And then it, it, it was just the, the three, like you say, the three of me, guys, we just, I'd always looked after Rob Bowen. I played against him at Brentford when I was at Exeter, won, uh, funny enough, Bank Holiday again. And he said he came up, right, big man. And he was a bit, Rob, I was quite a thick set and I'd heard a bit about him. He said, fucking hell, mate. He said, you had a fucking few last night? I said, only about 13. He went, fucking hell, fuck, fuck. He said, I had about 10 pints myself. So we both walk around smelling like fucking breweries, but we're both playing up against each other. And that became, that was just the sort of mutual respect that we had for each other from day yeah. one. Because he'd give me a couple of clips and I'll clips in, but there was no complaints because we've both been on the piss the night before. Obviously, you made Cranny signed as well. And I, I have to say that you were a fantastic partnership together. Well, Chris, he was, Cranny was tailor-made for me. He'd bend his runs, he'd run down the channels. But listen, what fans wouldn't understand, when I wouldn't sign a contract with Weathering, he signed Mario Walsh, who was six foot two, a bit bigger than me. But Dave Weathering, end, uh, Chris, Paul Sampson in goal, Stanners was there. Every goal kick, every free kick in our half, every throw in was aimed at my head. I said that, didn't I? Every, every throw in down and I the right. Yeah, I'd edit Chris. And we flick it on, people are running behind. Very simple, basic stuff. You ain't gonna lose many games because you're hitting long balls into the attacking half. I'm editing things on, getting in behind things. I mean, Chris, you got to say to me, if there was, you remember this, if it was throwing on the right hand side, maybe 25 yards man goal, I'd, I'd trot down the touchline, flick it. it on, and blah, blah. then it might go out the other side of the pitch because we're from the side of Crossfield. But they'd have to wait the left back till I ran across the whole side of the pitch so I could throw it down the line to my head again. Frightening, but working it out, basic stuff. Seriously, hit the big fella, get bodies, Peter Butler, Glenn Pennyfiles, win the knockdown in the attacking half. We had Martin Ling out wide, we had Martin Robinson out wide. What a very simple, basic way of playing. David Martin winning knockdowns, aggressive in midfield. We'd be hard to beat. And also then, if the centre-half don't fancy me, and Crowley always had the pace to outlet the other centre-half, we're going to cause teams problems, mate, won't we? Oh yeah, and we did. Oh yeah, we you brilliant partnership, and that was a, a tremendous team we had there. Obviously, stayed up the first time, yeah. and then went down last day of the season. I seem to remember. Yeah, but then of course that then set it up for us going back out of Division Four um, when we won up at uh, Peterborough. I think. Yeah, yeah, I was just yeah, fucking We beat Stockport earlier in the time. We went, we flew to Stockport, and we won two 0 to get promotion. And then the next time we played Peter away, I sat in the crowd and big red. I was in tears, mate. We won two one. Crowny got both. I couldn't fucking play because I was suspended. And I remember going to the dressing room and the lads were all waiting for me. God love them, Robbo and all lads were waiting for me, throwing beer at me, and I couldn't even drink a lager, mate, because I weren't part because I didn't play. So after that, um, obviously Ian Benjamin had arrived at the club and had the answer. Um, Brownie left, yeah, and then yeah. obviously, understand he was asked to stick around um, to, to try and help suit the Saab and, and guide things on. But then uh, Colchester came knocking. Yeah. Well, Chris, it was the again you twist the fate in your career. Ian Atkins, who I grew up with, I got him the player manager's job at Colchester. My contract was coming to an end again. Um, funny enough, the irony again: Mario Walsh got signed by Atkins at Colchester. 
because the Colchester chairman, Jonathan Crispin, heard about my so-called reputation. You're not getting him back, blah, blah, blah. Well, they did. But um, Webber did me a big favour. He said, look, Roy, if you can stick around. The irony again, he said, do you want to play up front or centre-half? I actually said, I fancied at that stage of my career being centre-back. And looking back, yeah. I weren't bad at centre-half. He got John Cornwall. Uh, was Clarky still there, I think? Um, Andy Sussex, he had some good lads. Yeah. I said, I'll play at the back. But he saw Cornwall and he had someone else there. And I'm thinking, uh, I can't remember his name, but a couple of decent props. And I, 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 I couldn't know as a spot in my face, but I should have said, look, Dave, I'll play anyway. I've played centre midfield for Bobby Moore. I've played centre forward, I've played centre half. I've played full back for Colchester. But I said I'll play at the back. So what Webby did, he stuck by centre half. I'm on the bench, about eight, nine games. Yeah. And then um, Akers lost a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Living in my ass, Chris. Akers stayed in my ass whilst oh, I was the new player manager. Yeah. And uh, I played, they actually organised a reserve game. This was Ian, my mate I've known for 27 years. Uh, to prove to the chairman, Jonathan Chris, I could still do it, we played on a Tuesday morning at Colchester's training round, Essex University. I got an abscess hanging off the side of my tooth. I'd been up all night. I'd taken six, 600 mil ibuprofen, because I could hardly fucking speak, to play the game. And Chris, I scored three in half an hour and just walked off the pitch. Job done. Absolutely, my squad actually and fucked off because my fucking face was angry. There's not many people who can get away with uh, being huge Colchester no. and South End um, idols, if you like. Yeah, yeah. John White's the only other one I can really think of. Yeah, like you're, yeah. You're like the only one, apart from John, that can actually get a drink in a bar in both, in both clubs <laughs> without an issue. <laughs> you know what, Chris? It's a, it's a massive, mate. It's a massive, massive compliment. I remember. On BBC on a Saturday morning, they were doing grandstands and they were doing Legends of, and I was in the top three at Colchester and the top three at South End, which is quite a compliment, really, for being a bloke that never thought I'd been any sort of fucking hero. What I did, I wore my heart on my sleeve. I was honest. I was honest off, on the park, honest off the park. Um, as for girls, I, I did the best I could for them as well. And it took me step, mate, because I was a straight guy. It's got a bit of a Christmas Blues story, there always is. Well, Ed, probably not the best for me, but hold on, my little cocker spaniel wants to come in here. Come on, <laughs> come on. Uh, we had the Christmas do. Clarky player manager, let himself down some shit. We're all in South End, me, Davey, the usual suspects. I think it was a 13 and a half hour bender. We stopped drinking about, we stayed at Lingy's house. At Rayleigh, and we stopped drinking about six in the morning. But Clark, in his wisdom, had us in the next morning to run the box, run sweat, run the box off. So we're all out there, and Clarky walks in. Clarky didn't do the running. When I was player manager, Eden, anything the lads did, I did, including the running, because it's just mutual respect. So, so we've all been yeah. Clark is out about, I don't know, four pints and fucked off in case he has to buy around. Because he's always very very careful, Clarky boy, right? There's always one of them. Oh, Evan, trust me, trust me. And uh, he bought a whiteboard and he went, my name's at the top. I'm thinking, I ain't going to win no fucking races here. I'm still fucking paralytic. We will <laughs> increase demand at Rootsaw, which is all around the pitch. It's a long old trot. We did two lots. And guess what? McDonough was at the top. 
they all had bets on all the cheeky fuckers, the first to travel. So anyway, I'm lapping, I've done three and a half, four laps, whatever. And even, I chucked. But I'm thinking, that ain't getting that money out of me. So while I'm running, <laughs> I'm eating it again. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise you, that, that <laughs> silly bollocky macho footballer, I thought, I'm going to it, and I, I fucking ate it all back down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you. We touched on it earlier, you saying that you had a conversation with Ron. Um, yeah. Like, how do, how do you think you could manage or even coach now? And secondly, like, is there, is there a player of the modern era that like, you like that really stands out to you at any level? You know, uh, Scotty, what makes me laugh, and, and I appreciate everyone's got their opinions, because of the media and these psychoanalysts, these fucking nutritionists, fuck off. We played the week, the fortnight before we went to Wembley, we played something like Scotty, I might be wrong, it was either six games. We played four games in seven days. Mm. Saturday, bank holiday Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. That's six games in two weeks. We were still having eight, nine, ten, twelve points after the games because that's what we did. That was at the end of the season in the conference, right? We had no nutritionist. Those that weren't the drinkers, right, three points, fuck off that. The stronger lads, i.e. the bigger, stronger boys, you'd, you'd bear with them for five or six points. But we played, you imagine, six games in 14 days, right? Mm. Then the, 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 the catalyst was the Wembley game, right? The game never changes. If you're Cristiano Ronaldo, if you're Lionel Messi, if you're Luis Suarez, your speed of thought is a lot quicker. Your execution at times is absolutely spot on because you're that good a player. In general, the game cannot change. Control it, pass it. You'll see Cruyff on um, people keep loading up things about Cruyff and, uh, and his, his mantra. Cruyff said about uh, it's not about a thousand keep ups, which we can all do with practice. It's uh, it's playing the ball first time at the right pace to the right foot of your, your teammate uh, to keep the pressure away from him, to keep the ball. Yeah. Basics will never change, Scott. The bullshit and the media bullshit does change. Coaching, the, the drills they're doing now, England ladies, blokes, and the drills we did. Because you can only do the drills. You can buy into the bullshit and have a throwing coach, a psycho fucking analysis, and all these fucking idiots, or get your group together, take them down the pub, have a few drinks, have a nice bit of dinner, get the close-knit spirit that's what my team had. Players are big kids. Uh, Scotty, piece of piss. Big kids, get them to buy into you. Yeah. Get them to love you, they'll give you everything they've got. See John White? He plays for me. He runs through a brick wall for me because I know what button to press with him. You with me? Mm. The, the flaky ones and the so-called fucking superstars who are on 250 grand a week, they will only do enough, and if it goes tits, they'll blame the manager. There's a plane to the manager's instruction to the lesser. In our day, you have to play, you have to change things yourself to get a better result or become a better player in that, in that game. You'd have to make your own mind up on how to do that, or you do the same for your teammate because it makes your team. Guardiola, off no, another no. planet. I think the fella is legendary. Klopp, you play for energy, enthusiasm, alone. 
I don't think Liverpool are a great team. They work very hard. They put you under pressure. They play off scraps, Scotty. They don't mm. outplay teams like Man City. But guess what? They've rocked the Premier League this year because if they do it and play it their, their way, the scraps and mistakes that our opponents are making, they make every week. And then they, yeah. they, they, they nick goals off things. And a player that stands out to me, let is quick, is great when you draw and close. Fact. So, how does a twist in your, in your career? A very good friend of mine was working at Sunderland and he was on the recruitment stage. John Anderson came up and another lad, I can't remember his name, both similar players, both midfield players. John Anderson's now captain Liverpool and he's captain England, I believe. Here's the factual story, and my mate told me, because I do a radio program once a week. Jordan Anderson's there and the other lad. And the CEO, the head of recruitment, uh, and my mate there, who, who's brought the players in. What we're going to do, so I think he's going to say, well, he's tossing the coin. We're not even tossing the coin, Scotty. The lad, Jordan Anderson, got taken on. Do you know what? Because his mum was better looking than the other player's fucking mother. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, Scotty, mate, he could have missed missed out there like me at Villa. Oh, bollocks. Feel sorry for yourself because his mum was better looking. They took Jordan Anderson on. And nice. that's <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know how it will work if he Liverpool are going to win the league, whether they get given the title or not. I don't know if, if and when he gets his hands on the trophy, but he's won the Premier yeah. League. He's won the Champions League. Yeah. And he only, yeah. he only got through it. He won that, whatever it was, that Super Cup thing yeah. earlier this year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, only because he's, he's, he's starting the game was because his mum, because yeah, he's got a milf, basically. <laughs> you, look at, you look at Man City, right? And you look at David Silva, you look at De Bruyne. Uh, you, they can pick, uh, you've got Silva, Bernardo Silva. They, they're top, top players for me. Where they are teams, they pass you to death, but they've got players in the attacking third where they can roll the killer ball at the right pace at the right time to strikers that can finish first time. You look at Liverpool, Jordan Henderson can't pass fucking wind. Wijnaldum, he'll crash tackle his fucking misses. You look at their midfield, they're workmanlike, and they do a job. They can't do what Man City do. Man City, for me, play unbelievable football. And they've mm. suffered a bit this year because of the centre-back injuries. But like you say, Scott, Henderson, I'd have him in my team, maybe with a David Silva, a De Bruyne, and someone else. Because you do need a dog. Every team needs a dog. And he'd be the dog. Scotty, he's one kid. The best before I go, the best example I'll give you, England, and I think Robson was the manager. Ray Wilkins got sent off in the World Cup. You had Ray Wilkins, Brian Robson. Here's the thing. Wilkins got sent off, threw the ball at the referee. Robson did his shoulder again, right? All of a sudden, midfield became Peter Reid, Glenn Oddle. This is things can make, make you as a manager, certainly in Leeds situations. England made the semi-finals. Peter Reid won it, give it Glenn Old. Glenn Old could pass fucking people to death. Mm. Trevor Stephen, uh, Steve Hodge on the left. Great up and downers, could get crosses in early. Gary Stephen. And you know what, Scotty? That, that World Cup give... I think Robson manages Chrissy, right? Was he manager? Yeah. And guess what? Robson out injured, Wilkins sent off. And that too, Peter Reid and Glenn Old, what a match, match made him really want it, give it a clean. Mm. Yeah. you got you got to have, like, you've got to complement each other. Cushion. You, know, you can't, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't have two centre mids that do the same thing. It's pointless. You're going to, you're going to clash. If you're on a bit of pressure, you've got to go long. Cranny couldn't edit. 
So you had the big fucking idiot me, I could edit for fun, and Cranny would, would, would run for fun. So you need the mix and match. Which of your red cards that you received was least deserved or annoyed you most? Least deserved, blimey. Um, there's been a few. <laughs> most of them are in the end, you think, oh, bollocks. I mean, I've booted Gary Peters at uh, Wimbledon, and he deserved booting, so should I go on there? Because I felt proud of that. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think, really. I mean, Keith McPherson, I elbowed him at South End in front of the dugouts, because he kept jumping over the back of me. Chris, and I surprised myself, I hit the ball really well. And I threw a right arm and fucking smash and he could not in the nose if I missed his head I would have got sent off so that one was unlucky to be fair but really no I can't, I can't they were all listen I was a bit of a dickhead at times a bit of a <laughs> hey listen whilst you're on make sure you get a fur home off that mug fella with McDonough 10 on and a red card royal mug because they're bringing out a red card royal we're trying to track down them Fairholm shirts. I, I want the actual shirt. That's a fantastic yeah. shirt, that. But the mug was... Bernie Friend put it on. The mugs look good. I it's saw good. the one that you uh, you tweeted the other day, the red card Roy mug, and you were like, fuck <laughs> me, is that Omar Sharif? <laughs> 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 well, yes, of course it fucking was. You still managed to get yourself sent off in a charity game. I know that was one of the, the final things in the book, wasn't it? Mate, it was Portugal, and I, I was playing for the company against a bunch of Portuguese. They all, we've turned up like ragtag and bobtail in fucking different shorts and socks as the company. And they've all got off this coach, all in Argentinian strip. And if ever you play against Portugal, always look at them. They're looking, they're like Adonis, mate. You've got these 10 Adonises, then this fucking centre half, about the head the size of a football, and look like you've been head butting fucking double decker buses. I'm thinking, nah, can't be. Well, he's headbutting me once, he's headbutting me twice. And I'm thinking he hasn't batted a fucking eyelid. So I just turned around and fucking threw a right hook at him. Had a major skirmish, got sent off. And when I got back to my Robinson Townhouse in the Algarve, I spoke to my Lizzie. She went, you all right? I went, yeah. I said, you won't fucking believe this. She went, no way. I said, yeah, I got sent But how did Donald Trump, all these Adonises like Chris on an hour and one fucking bullet head, and he had to be the centre off. <laughs> no, cheers for your time, mate. No, yeah. bless you. Any Thank time, that's for you. Any time. No, top man. No pleasure, sir. Thank you. Cheers, Good bro. talking to you. Yeah, you, you too, too, mate. Cheers. See you later. Bye. Yeah, right. Take care. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye. Right, so there we have it. Red Car Roy. What a guy. Absolute legend. What's a legend? He's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. yeah I, I, I... I think it is unlikely, purely because I think most chairmen would be scared of how honest he is. Oh, you, yeah. I'd, I'd love to, to see him somehow involved in the modern game. Yeah, I would. Not necessarily I'd... as a manager, but in a coach in some way. I, I'd, I'd love it because I think, particularly in the lower leagues still, you, you need characters like that. You need honesty like that. Just raw passion. honesty, passion, emotion. Like... He said it himself, like as a player, yeah, he got a lot of red cards because he was he was passionate and he wore his heart on his sleeve. And you can tell as a person, he's still like that. He speaks oh, yeah. very passionately about everything he does. So, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to see it. I don't think I ever will, sadly. But yeah. I, do, I do feel there is there is a market for 
someone like that still if if a chairman is going to be brave yeah. enough. He's yeah. clearly still got a passion for the game. The fact that he came and talked to us for the best part of two hours on a Sunday afternoon, absolute diamond. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. and to be fair, he, he lives in Spain. So yeah. even though there's still kind of... I know they've started to come out of a lockdown now, but there's obviously still restrictions in place. There's far better things he could be doing in Spain. It looks fucking nice afternoon. outside his window, to be fair. Yeah, it could have yeah, been outside. It looks, <laughs> looks a lot nicer than what does outside mine at the minute. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Now, one of the things I think what he said, you know, there'll be one or two people I think they'll say, oh, that's old fashioned. But when he said about getting the players together and going out for a beer, it's one of the things that Chris Wilder did, wasn't it? Mm. And yep. look how successful he's been. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. A lot of people say he's technically or he's tactically very good as well. But I mean, he's still gone, right, hang on, we're not a group here. Go mm. out, get pissed. Yeah, it's nice. You, you listen to Leicester City, uh, Castle Sparkle, I heard him the other day talking about it. And obviously, the Christmas party, all in fantasy dress off to Copenhagen, you know, might have helped them win the league. That, that goes such a long way in being a successful team. Yeah, so you're playing for way. your mates then, aren't you? You're playing for, yeah. your, for your mates, and the, you know, that gives you another 10, 20%. Then, why does, wouldn't yeah. you want to eat your squad yeah. like that? Give, it gives you another 10, 15 points per season. Oh, 100%, yeah. Like, if, if not more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but, I, but like I say, unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever get to see it. But I, I would just love to somehow see it. But, you know. Yeah, I, I hope someone ends up being, being bold we'll put, it, we'll put it this way. Put it this way. We're going to get relegated, so we might as well have done it. Yeah. See what yeah. happens. We yeah. might as well have done it this season. In a parallel so. universe, we might as well have gone, look, you know what? I'm taking a big old punt on Kevin Bond. I may as well take a big old punt on this geezer. And yeah. it would have been a hell of a lot cheaper as well. I mean. The male model. The male model. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I liked his comment about Ron looking like an ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I do remember that day thinking, fuck me, he's been beat up. Again, hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. I had a lot of, uh, I spent a lot of time editing that one. For all the uh, <laughs> all the C bombs. If I did miss any, then I can only apologise. There was quite a lot of them. Um, but yeah, we've still got still got more ideas we want to do. More people we're in contact with. More ex players to hopefully come on. So yeah, keep listening. Stay alert. Yeah. <laughs> Stay alert. And uh, yeah, we'll see you later. Thanks for having me, boys. I'll speak soon. No, I'd like to hear that. See, see you later. <laughs>